The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw, live from the Circus Sportsbook on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome into Odds On. I'm Mike Palm. He's Amal Shaw. It's a super Tuesday, Amal. A loaded college basketball card and a loaded slate of guests. That's right. Jacob Roach producing in Britain has his absence, and he's brought the he's brought the heat. We'll have Super Bowl winning quarterback Charlie Batch. On in about a half hour, and then 45 minutes from now, national champion coach, Super Bowl winner as a player with the 85 Bears, and within a yard of being a Super Bowl winning coach, that's Jeff Fisher who's going to join us. National champion coach. National championship player. Oh, player, yes. USC, yeah, what a yeah, defense yeah. that was. Joey Browner. Ronnie Lott. Lott. Yeah, Ronnie Jeff Lott. Fisher. Yeah, Dennis Smith. Heck of a defense. Yeah, I'm interested to ask him about USC and the Pac-12 in general as well. That was my question. <laughs> well, <laughs> we might talk some wild card playoffs. little game happened in Indianapolis last night. Um, give you credit. You said Georgia was going to win the game. Uh, not a lot of action. A lot of field goals in the first half. But the pick six to seal the deal in the last 90 seconds. Final. Dogs 33. Tied 18. Kirby gets the monkey off his back. He finally beats Nick, and he brings the Bulldogs their first national championship since Herschel Walker and Buck Ballou led him to a title in the early 80s. My question to you, Amal Shaw, if you could pinpoint one reason the Dogs won this game, would it be their red zone defense, or would it be the ability of the offense to move the ball in the fourth quarter? Uh, I think it was more the red zone defense, because yeah. against Alabama, most teams fold in those situations. I thought they did a tremendous job of getting Bryce Young off of his spot in critical third-down situations. We saw it on that corner route he threw to the end zone. That's a play he would normally execute successfully, but they were able to move him. You see his uh, footwork is not particularly strong in that spot. Mike, the other thing is, you want to know what I thought the difference in this game was? Georgia had Wyatt and Davis in that defensive line position right there in the front, uh, in the center, the the defensive tackle, nose tackle, whereas this is what you're used to Alabama having, a Marcel Darius type, Mm -hmm. a guy that could stuff the run or take up two blockers, allow the linebackers to crash in. We saw in that fourth quarter, I was really impressed when you knew they were going to run the football, that Georgia just ran it right down their throat. By the way, real quick before we move on, the worst game clock management in the history of football by Georgia last night. How about after the Alabama injury, the clock is running and they snap it at 35 on the play clock. Right. They could have take, They had the break there after the Alabama injury where they actually ran 16 seconds off and reset it to 40. Yes. They could have taken another 39. They could have taken 55 seconds off the clock between play. 
they could have had that game under a minute and a half when Alabama got the ball back. Absolutely right. And then there was another play. They snapped it at no, 24. I snapped, couldn't believe it. They snapped it at 24. They snapped it at 18. They snapped it at 16. They snapped it at 33 when they had the whole 40 to run it down. I didn't know what they were doing. They could have run the game out. Forget the four-minute offense. It's got to be an eight-minute offense to kill games. At Wisconsin, it's 10-minute offense. Wisconsin's still the best <laughs> I've ever seen it doing that. But, Mike, you're right. Remember the play they ran to Bowers for the touchdown pass? They went quick on that one. I, I didn't get it. I, I just I, Look, give them credit, though. I also didn't like Alabama's play calling on the final drive. Why still trying to run the ball with two minutes left? Well, you we, had three timeouts. I understand, but why, why get into a situation where you're going to have to use them under duress there? It's not like, Georgia, you're going to hit Georgia for a 30-yard run. They're still, they were still in run defense there, and they, they had two wasted run plays in that drive to where when Alabama finally crossed the 50, they were under two minutes. Yeah, I, I wasn't concerned about the clock yeah. as much. I, I think it was a matter of executing, and I, excuse me, I give Georgia credit for that. By the way, though, I'll tell you, the fourth quarter was entertaining, but the first three quarters, I feel like yeah. I wasted about three hours of my life. I didn't think the Alabama receiving core did Bryce Young any favors last night. I thought, listen, I can make the argument, if Williams and Mechie are healthy, they win the game. I mean, I don't believe so because they couldn't stop him when it counted yeah. most. But that throw, he he had the one pass where he hit him right in the hands. He dropped it. And then Brooks goes up with one hand to catch the ball. Wait, he, he wasn't holding his other arm. Where, I, where's his left hand? I couldn't believe that's it. A, that's the game. If he catches that ball, they're down inside the 15 with a chance to tie. Of course, they would have had to make the two. Correct. Here's the biggest thing I thought that Kirby Smart could have done. and not, He didn't have to. But when they got the roughing the passer penalty on the touchdown, I said, why don't you go, go for two, two to go up I nine? said the exact You're same the ball thing at the one. one. I, the only argument, so it was funny. I was on the phone with somebody. I was talking about this, and I said, move the ball to the one-and-a-half-yard line, go for two with Zamir White, bring in Jordan Davis, and just go plow yeah. right through. You did it already earlier in the game. You go up nine, the game is pretty much over. Only problem is, and I thought maybe Alabama would have taken this risk, if Alabama scores with under 30 seconds to go, do they potentially say, we're going to bring in Robinson, we're going to go for two here and try and win the national title right here? Because that, the one thing by being up eight, you can't get beat. I think you trust your defense, though, there. That's fair. And you make them go two possessions to get up nine. But what's really infuriating about it is they take the penalty on the kick and then kick it 30 yards into the end zone. First of all, there should be one automatic rule in college yeah. football. If you're going to take a roughing the passer penalty after a touchdown, the ball is going to be kicked off from the 50. If you don't onsides kick it, your quarterback, your, your special teams coach should be fired, and so should the head coach. Because all you're giving up is 15 yards of possession. Even if the ball only goes 8 or 9 yards, you give up 17 yards. Who cares? It, the risk is worth the reward. I mean, <laughs> I, if I'm doing anything, I'm squib kicking it. Let one of the guys get the ball at the 15 or 20-yard line. You only got half a field to go yeah. cover. Yeah. Congratulations, Georgia. Congratulations to you. You made a white, your winner out of this eventually. You, you bet Georgia to win the, national, uh, to win the yeah. SEC before the year. I think you kind of thought that Georgia's going to win the title game and Alabama come back and, and have a shot at them in the playoffs. It worked out the opposite way where Alabama wins the title game and then Georgia comes back and wins the national title. Yeah, absolutely. I, I thought uh, Alabama, excuse me, Georgia really benefited from playing Alabama the first time and having that revenge game. I mean, you talk about a well, team you have to beat. Not only that, they got embarrassed in the first game, I thought. The defense got embarrassed. Yeah, I thought the defense for all the hype they received, they got yeah. embarrassed. But I'll tell you, during the Michigan game, I, I watched that game a lot closer than the SEC title game, and I was like, wow, Whoa. this speed sideline to sideline for Georgia's linebacking court was unbelievable. You know, Bryce Young, is, somebody said this to me, and they were right. They go, if that was Bryce Young against Missouri, he gets around the edge, and he makes the play. Yeah, instead he lost six yards. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's the difference when you he play He had two Georgia. guys that would have caught him. Yeah. Even if he turned the corner, he wasn't making the end zone there. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing, though. If you're going to beat Bama next year, which they're going to be a loaded team, preseason number one, no surprise there. 
you've got to get him off his spot. I thought they did a tremendous job of that in terms of on that third down pass he missed in the end zone. If you notice, his footwork was uh, just off balance, and I think that's the key if you're going to beat these guys. All right, let's talk about next year's national yeah. championship odds. I've got two sets of odds. I have um, uh, Bet Rivers' odds, but I also have William Hill's odds. We have Bet Rivers for the screen here. Alabama at plus 150. Ohio State, as you said, would be the, the only other team that could beat them, plus 250. Georgia, plus $5. Clemson and Oklahoma, 14 to 1. <coughs> Excuse me. How about William Hill, though? Alabama, plus $2. Georgia, plus 350. Ohio State, plus $7. Is Ohio State at 7 to 1 worth a bet right now, Amal? 100%. They're the second-best team in college football next year. By the way, these Bet Rivers odds, I usually like, I mean, before you screw me, I like to at least get kissed. I mean, come on, give me a break. 250 on Alabama, on Ohio State, 150 on Alabama is a joke. Also at William Hill, Clemson 12 to 1, Michigan and Oklahoma 15 to 1, and USC 20 to 1. Uh, explain this to me then, because I'm thinking about making this bet based on, on what you've said about Ohio State at 7 to 1. Yeah. To me, the Alabama defense and the Georgia defense marketed better than the Ohio State defense right now. How is Ohio State going to get to that level on defense? Well, first of all, they have the talent. Number two, they bring in Jim Knowles from Oklahoma State, who was the defense coordinator. Safety is also coming over from there as well. But I think it'll be a vastly improved Ohio State defense. I think with the Buckeyes offense, which will be the best in college football next year, they don't have to be great defensively. They just have to be good enough. And with this offense, with Stroud, with Travion Henderson, Jackson Smith, and Jigba, they'll be able to score points at will. Mike, when you look at it, though, Georgia and Michigan have lost too much talent. The USC number is just there to protect themselves. They think if Caleb Williams goes there and they find a way into the playoffs. I still think USC is a year away from being there. Um, but the the odds on this one are ridiculous. I do think Bama's a prohibitive favorite. 150 is a joke. Yeah, I would never I would never do that. I, if anything, I'd take a shot at at uh, Ohio State at 7-1. to Do you think Georgia's too short both at 350 and at, at $5? 100%. Because if you look at Georgia defensively, outside of Keeley Ringo, uh, this team is going to really struggle. By the way, Zamir White gets over the total. Uh, James Cook gets over the total. Trey Sanders under the total yesterday. And Robinson got over the total. If you look at these guys, they're very good defensively, but Mike, they had an upperclassman-laden team on the defense. They've got too many guys they're going to lose from that defense. And even if Caleb Williams transferred to Georgia, I still don't think this team is going to be that much improved uh, over what they were this year. I mean, they're not going to be improved. The offense will be improved, but they're going to lose too much talent. Clemson 12-1 to at William Hill, 14-1 to um, at Bet Rivers. Any shot of a rebound here? For Dabo's team? Well, defensively next year with Miles Murphy and Brian Brzee back healthy, this team is going to be elite defensively. They do lose Skowskis and Tanner Muse in the secondary. That'll hurt this team a little bit, but I still think they're going to be there. I do think that Venables is the biggest offseason loss for any program. That includes Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley. I think Venables is going to be just fine because he's going to be the best defensive coach already in the Big 12. That'll help drastically. Um, I, I think Clemson will have a great shot in the ACC in terms of being able to rebound and win the What league. about the quarterback position? It's going to be open. There's a kid coming in from Austin Westlake, Clay Klubnik. He's going to be outstanding. DJ's got to find his confidence. I can tell you right now, if he plays the way he did, he will be uh, NFL, not for long. Yeah. All right, let's take a quick look. Circa has opened up the exact result of the Super Bowl, team over team markets. Right now, who would you say, what, what would your prediction be? And let's look at some odds of maybe where we can find value. NFC, AFC, and then who's your winner? The, the two favorites, Chiefs and Packers, are both 12 to 1. Chiefs over Packers, 12 to 1. Packers over Chiefs, 12 to 1. So, in essence, you're getting 6 to 1 on that matchup. Um, first of all, for me, the NFC is easy. 
The AFC is where I have the problem. So you like Packers? I, I like the Packers. I do. Okay. You think the Packers are going to win the Super Bowl? I do. I believe so. Here's yes. your odds: Packers over the AFC teams. Chiefs twelve to one. Packers beat Titans twenty to one. Bills twenty one to one. They beat the Bengals forty to one. The Patriots fifty to one. The Raiders one thirty five to one. Steelers one sixty five to one. Um. 20 to 1 if they beat the other one seed in the Titans. Well, you know, look, if you're like me and you believe that they're going to go to the Super Bowl, the real play here is to take uh, Packers over the Titans, Packers over the Chiefs, and Packers over the Bill. You get 20 to 1, 12 to 1, and 21 to 1. Mm-hmm. So, in, in, in essence, you get 7 to, 7 to 1. Yeah. 7 to 1 or 4 to 1. Yeah, exactly. Ba- based on those results with a small difference. All right. Loaded night in college basketball, and we're going to have our plays as well since we have two guests. I'm all huge, huge night in the Big 12. At the top of the conference, we have some very good matchups. And I think my friend Amal might have a few plays for us as well. We'll have them all in in the Palm Reader Playbook. I'm fired up. Next. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet... There's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome back. This segment of Odds On is brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like Wes Reynolds, no more spit cups, and no batteries to charge your leaky equipment to deal with. Zen Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties like Spearmint, Wintergreen, or Amal's personal favorite, Citrus. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strings. You can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zen America's number one nicotine pouch is available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning it's never been easier to find your Zen. So head on over to zen.com slash find to locate a store near you. That's zyn.com slash f-i-n-d. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Welcome into Odds On. Mike Palm here with Amal Shaw on a super Tuesday. Amal, we have two guests today. Charlie Batch coming up in 15 minutes and in a half hour, Coach Jeff Fisher. So let's give out our plays right now. You hit the winner, Georgia minus three national championship game, moving you to five and one on the year. Stay hot, buddy. Uh, 
Thank you. Uh, Going to go with the Mounties tonight. Uh, Country Roads, take me home. West Virginia, baby. John Denver style. We'll get it done. This is a, Mike, I thought this line was way off. I was surprised the uh, Mounties are only two and a half at home in Morgantown. Like them against Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's only played one road game so far. Uh, I like West Virginia here at home to get it done laying two and a half. And then down in College Station, Texas A&M. Ole Miss coming off the big win uh, at the Tad Pad against Mississippi State. But A&M with a solid win against Arkansas the other day. I think they continue to play well. Buzz Williams has really turned this program around, and I think they get it done. I'm not thrilled about the four and a half. If you're a Moneyline parlay player, I, I would take A&M. I think they win the game. Would you, just, would you take ahead. with West Virginia, or would you save West Virginia for uh, minus 110 I, no, with the points. Mounting's minus 110 okay. with the points. I, I right. love West Virginia in this spot today. And uh, I think A&M gets it done. You've got Kansas at home against Iowa State, which they'll win. I think Baylor will win against uh, Texas Tech at home. And then Western Michigan, plus 14 against the Buffalo Bulls. Line's starting to move down now. I'm starting to see 13.5, so if you're going to jump on this, take this one as well. Uh, just to too many points. Buffalo's not as good as they've been in years past. They can still score the basketball, but I think the one problem that continues to plague them is they don't play defense well. And I think the Broncos uh, find a way to cover the 14. All right, let's switch to the uh, to the playbook. I'm going to go with the soccer play for my two-unit play. This is in the English Champions League. Fulham against Reading under three. You know, in games where Fulham is favored them all, the under's hitting over 73% of the time. I was really surprised this came back a three. I was thinking this was going to be two and a half, like most of the games in England. Reading, I don't think Reading scores here. I would bet Reading under half a goal here uh, if you could get it for minus 135 or better. And then Texas Tech, Baylor, both of these teams, under first half, 63 and a half, one unit. Both of these teams holding their opponents under 60 points a game. Uh, I was impressed by Texas Tech, the effort in Lubbock against Kansas. They really limited them in the half court. They were able to spread Kansas off, uh, out on their offensive side of the ball and get a lot of easy looks. I don't think they can do that against Baylor. Baylor will defend them on the perimeter. Baylor is a much more defensive-minded team. I think this game is played in the 50s. Uh, I, I don't know if it ends up that low, but I tend to agree with you. First, let's start with your Fulham running play. I, I like this game under. I don't see it getting to four where you get beat. I think you use that three as a good push number. Both these teams over two and a half so far in 23 games played 12 and 11 going over that total. Texas Tech, Baylor, Mike, I like this under you got here in the first half. The other day I told you I didn't like that Virginia one. This one to me, hmm. the Red Raiders can shoot the ball when they're at home. You get them away from Lubbock, they're not as effective in terms of shooting the basketball. Baylor's so good defensively. The only concern I would have is if the uh, Bears come out and they're sizzling. But against Texas Tech, it's always tough the way they defend. I, I think this first half score, I, I really believe we're going to probably see something under 60. Yeah. Okay. Uh, as I mentioned, big night in college basketball. Let's cover as many games as we can here in this segment of Mall. I'm going to start out in the Pac-12 because it's an early start. Yeah. 2 o'clock Pacific time on ESPN2 from Maples Pavilion. USC is team you've been in love with. They already have two road wins in conference at Cal. At Cal and at Washington State, they come in ranked fifth of all, undefeated still, 3-0 and in the Pac-12, 13-0. Stanford, 8-4, and 1-1 and in the Pac-12, one at home versus Oregon, lost at Cal. The Trojans, from 5.5 on the overnight, up to 7 with a total of 139. Still one of the top five field goal percentage defensive teams in college basketball. The length of this team is a real problem when you go to shoot over them. Big number here, though, for them to be laying on the road. Remember, Stanford has been on break since the 22nd because of COVID. They have not played a game, Mike, so you're looking at almost, what, uh, 18, 19 days since they played last. I, I think it's going to be a challenge for them in this matchup from that perspective. However, I'll tell you what, I think this total at 139 is too high. I think even though Stanford will get up and go if they have an opportunity, it's going to be tough against SC. And then the other thing that helps these totals with USC is they're not a great shooting team. I know their field goal percentages are high because of the length in some of the games, but to me, I, I can rely, at least comfortably feel that 
USC will be inconsistent in terms of shooting the basketball. I wouldn't touch this game from a side perspective at seven. I would take the under 139. All right, let's go to uh, Nashville, Tennessee, where Kentucky is taking on Vanderbilt, 4 o'clock Pacific time. This is on ESPN Memorial Coliseum. Kentucky on the road here in a tough place always to play. Uh, laying eight points now, up from seven on the overnight with a total up from 140 and a half to 146. A big move on the total, Amal. Yeah, you said it was 140. What was it at? Overnight was 140 and a half up to 146. I'm not surprised. Vandy, Vandy wants to get up and go as well, and we know Kentucky will do that. Kentucky, even though they play defense, they can still put points on you. Big number on the road here in Nashville. Um, this would be a tough, tight game, but I think Kentucky somewhere, I, I would take, if you say I had to bet it, I would take the home team here. The key for me is how well Scottie Pippen plays. If he can do an effective job offensively, Vandy's got a shot to be competitive in this game. If not, and then you've got to keep Oscar Tshiebwe off the glass if you're Vanderbilt to have a chance because he will crash that offensive glass. I really feel like Kentucky, since they lost to LSU, nobody's talking about this team, Mike. I still think them and Auburn are the two best teams in the league. All right, let's go back to the Big 12. This game at 5 o'clock Pacific time on ESPN Plus and the Big 12 Network, Iowa State at Kansas. Kansas coming off the loss at Texas Tech on Saturday, 12-2, 1-1 in the Big 12, ranked ninth. They won on the road at Oklahoma State. Both their Big 12 games uh, have been on the road so far. Iowa State was undefeated going into that matchup with Baylor. They lost at home to Baylor. Um, Then they went... um, they beat Texas Tech at home and then lost at the Noble Center, uh, getting six points, did not cover, 79-66 to Oklahoma on Saturday. Kansas laying 12-and-a-half. Is this a, bo- a bounce-back spot for the Cyclones, or will they get lost in the fog? <laughs> I like the line. Um, in terms of the number, I would lean towards Iowa State. It's a pretty big number on the road, uh, but KU's going to win this basketball game. Remember, they're coming off that loss, as you alluded to, up in Lubbock. I, I, Mike, Bill Self, if you look at his home record, obviously they had that debacle last year against Texas where they lost by 25. But other than that, this guy has less losses at home than he has seasons coached at KU. That's how dominant they've been at the fog. Kansas wins this game, um, but I would take the Cyclones before I lay it with Kansas. All right, uh, stay in the Big 12. You mentioned this game yesterday. Uh, Oklahoma goes to Texas. Oklahoma off the big win at home against Iowa State. Texas coming off the loss at Oklahoma State. Where I don't, what did they score? Four points in the last five minutes of the game? That was a tight game, and they ended up losing by double digits. Both of them are 12 and 3, 2 and 1 in the Big 12. Texas comes in, ranked 21st. This game at 5 30 Pacific time on the Longhorn Network from the Irwin Center. The home team, the Longhorns, laying six and a half with a total of 128 them all. Yeah, again, uh, this number's a little bit uh, high for me to lay with the Texas Longhorns, but I don't want to take Oklahoma in this spot either. We know how well. Uh, this Texas team can defend. So that's the one thing I would keep in mind if you're looking at this matchup. Um, but, Mike, I, I would go under this total of 128. I, I think Texas is going to play extremely well defensively. They had a, a loss on the road. I think they bounce back. All right, uh, huge matchup in Tuscaloosa tonight. Crimson Tide fans trying to get over that loss in Indianapolis. They say we always have basketball. Well, it's the Iron Bowl on the on the court. Auburn, up to number four, shot up five spots in the rankings 14-1, and 3-0, and, and sitting atop the SEC takes on Alabama. Alabama had that big road win at Florida, but then ran into trouble in Columbia, Missouri on Saturday. Alabama laying three points to the number four ranked Auburn Tigers with a total of 156. Yeah, um, I think this number is right where it should be. I think the total is right where it should be. Didn't play this game. I think this is going to be the game of the night. I can't wait to see this one. You know, 
these two teams are probably, I don't want to say for sure because I'm not 100%, but they're as good as they've ever been at the same time in terms of when you look at it. It should be a terrific matchup. And if you haven't seen Jabari Smith play for uh, Auburn, watch this kid play, Mike. I got a feeling this guy's going to be the first pick in the draft. He is unbelievable. But the question is, can Alabama knock down their perimeter shots? You're going to need Shackelford Davison to be able to deliver because if if not, I think the size of Auburn inside is going to be a real problem for Alabama. Is Auburn a Final Four team? They got a chance. They're good. They're really, They're really, really good. good. Yeah, they really are good. They can shoot the ball. I've never seen a team, and I said this to somebody after this game Saturday against Florida. Look at that court. The, it, it, at Auburn, those fans are right on the court. That is really an intimidating place to play. Not only that, this team, when you look at their, they've got athletes. They make their level of difficulty converting tough shots is unbelievable. All right, I want to go quickly to an ACC matchup because yeah. I was surprised by this number. Miami, they win it. They win at home against Syracuse. Then they go to Durham and beat Duke at Cameron. They are now going uh, to Tallahassee to take on Florida State. Florida State six and a half point home favorites here. Amal, is that too many? Uh, I think it is. I don't think this Florida State team is as good as they've been in years past, but my one concern is when Miami consistently shoot the ball well. Miami generally tends to match up for whatever reason. Larinaga knows how to play Duke, and they do a good job against them. But um, this is an interesting one. Florida State still getting a lot of respect for a team right now that's just not as good as it's been in years past. I think they're, this number is still based on their reputation and how they've played under Leonard Hamilton for the past decade. I tend to agree with you. All right, coming up next, we're going to have Super Bowl winning quarterback Charlie Batch Spent a decade with the Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll ask him how his team's going to fare in the playoffs. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. VEASAN has a great new offer to help make this your best betting year ever. Our all-new Big Game Big Dance Special provides VEASAN Plus all access to everything we do from now through April 5th for only $69. Sign up now and get our daily best bet emails, 24-7 video access, the upcoming Big Game and College Hoops betting guides, plus full access to VEASAN.com with our exclusive betting betting split breakdowns on every game. It's one of the most exciting betting seasons of the year, so don't miss out on one of our best deals of the year. Visit vcin.com slash big deal to sign up today. Welcome back into Odds On. Mike Palm here with Amal Sean. It's our pleasure to have joined us for the very first time on our program, Charlie Batch. Charlie played uh, over a decade for the Pittsburgh Steelers, drafted by the Detroit Lions out of Eastern Michigan. has got two Super Bowl rings with the Steelers and has taken the time to join us this morning. Charlie, how are you? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Let's start off. We're doing great. Let's start off with your Steelers. Uh, day after Christmas, they went into Arrowhead, and that was really a one-sided matchup. 36-10. Chiefs, they get to go back to Arrowhead. What a great job by Mike Tomlin and that organization getting this team across the finish line and into the playoffs. But no small task to go back to Arrowhead now. They're catching 12.5 points in the wildcard matchup this weekend. What are they going to have to do differently to be competitive in this game and to advance in the playoffs? Well, obviously, they're going to have to limit uh, with Patrick Mahomes and that offense, and that starts with the ability to run the football and see if they can possess the time, uh, possess the ball and control the time of possession. So if they can do that, 
you know, they have a chance. But, you know, obviously this team is riding high. There was only an 8% chance of them getting into the playoffs. They did everything that they needed to do. And lo and behold, they got into the playoffs. And I think when you look at just from an underdog perspective, maybe they get a little motivation of what happened last night between Georgia and Alabama. Nobody gave Georgia much of a chance. But in the second matchup, they were able to redeem themselves. So maybe the Steelers are looking to just kind of play that particular card this week. I tend to agree with you. Revenge is a great angle in this one. Charlie, I want to ask you about your former coach, Mike Tomlin. This guy doesn't have losing seasons. He continuously finds ways to get his team prepared. My co-host, Mike, thought this was his best coaching job ever to get this team to the playoffs. It was incredible. If you were to point to one or two things about him that you've seen during your tenure in Pittsburgh that have not only allowed him to be successful, but guys seem to want to play there, what would you point to? Yeah, I mean, his communication skills are, are number one, and I think this is something that being in a room, and if you ever heard me speak in his press conference, he comes across clear and concise, and the message that he's trying to deliver is, is to relate uh, precisely. And those are things that p- players continue to buy into. They believe in what he's selling, and that's why he hasn't lost control of that locker room. And to your point of thinking that this is his best coaching uh, season, to me it's his second, and I only say that because during that 2019 season when he lost Ben Roethlisberger in that second game of the season and he had to go the rest of the year with Mason Rudolph and Duck Hodges, he was able to get that team to 500. Yes, they missed the playoffs, but, man, to do that without Ben Roethlisberger at the helm, that was a pretty impressive uh, coaching season for him as well. Yeah, you're right on the 2019. The reason why, Mike, I like Tomlin is because one of my favorite questions, Charlie, you may remember this, in this second year, Uh, one of the reporters there said, well, you know, your players say you're doing a better job than you did as a rookie head coach. And his response when he goes, how's your editor doing? You think he's doing a good job? I I became a fan after that great response. And he's all, he always has nice cliches, and these are things that, you know, you're better. But obviously, you know, you never – he always, you know, makes sure that he reminds player, hey, you, you're either getting better or you're not. And, it, you know, no, nobody stays the same. Either you're ascending or descending, and that's something that players buy into as well. Charlie, I want to take a look at the matchup on Monday night, the four-versus-five game in the NFC, Cardinals and Rams. My partner, Amal Shaw, made a bet on the Rams uh, – to win the West and another bet on the Rams to make it to the Super Bowl preseason after the Matthew Stafford trade. Rams are laying four points. Both teams won on the opposing team's home field. Assess how you think Matt Stafford's first year and the Rams has gone. Has it been better or worse than you would have thought? And then your thoughts on this playoff matchup. Yeah, no, I actually thought that he would have the type of season that he had, being able to push the Rams team, you know, to, you know, over the hump, essentially some things that Jared Goff wasn't able to do. Um, But, you know, they believed in him. They really gave up a lot for an older quarterback, and he's delivered in a certain way. But now when you look at the negative side and the turnovers that he's created, man, he's really keeping the other team in it when he's throwing the ball for pick sixes the other direction. As tough as that defense is, he cannot afford to put them in any disarray as it relates to you. It's one thing to turn the football over, but not a pick six. You want to give a chance to your defense to blade every, defend every blade of grass there the moment that they step on the field. But to your point, yes, both teams, one on the other team's home course uh, field, in division games like this, man, anytime you get to a third matchup, these are always tough games to win. But I think at this point, man, everybody's excited to see what Kyler Murray is capable of bringing to the table. First opportunity to really show what he could do in the playoffs. They made moves. It seems like they're going to get J.J. Watt back here for this particular playoff game. So anything is possible when you talk about division matchups. So I think it could go either direction um, on this. I'm just hoping for a good game on Monday night. Charlie, the one wild card team that sticks out to me is the San Francisco 49ers. I think everywhere except the quarterback position, I'm not as high on Jimmy Garoppolo as maybe some other people are. I feel like he's the one thing at times that maybe 
uh, prevents them from getting over the top. But I look at this team, Debo Samuel, to me, is a top three playmaker in this league. George Kittle's 1A or 1B in terms of tight ends. Uh, we know what Bosa's been able to do. I love Fred Warner at the uh, linebacker position. How do you assess this team going in this matchup against Dallas without Michael Gallup? As a former quarterback, and you've got a trio of receivers like Dak Prescott does, now you're missing one of those. How much of an impact does it have, even if you consider Gallup to be the third out of those out of that grouping? Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where I think in everybody's mind, it's hard to kind of forget that with the Super Bowl run that they had, and Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, only what, threw the ball six or seven times in that particular game, and they're still winning. And I think this is ultimately defenses now, especially as we get to this playoff time, they're going to say, listen, yes, they have weapons all across the board. Yes, we know what they're capable of doing, but we are going to force Jimmy Garoppolo to push the football down the field. So this start and stops with him, and there's no way that I think that they're going to allow, the Cowboys are going to allow the 49ers to just run the ball down the throat. I expect them to line eight in the box and force the passing of Jimmy Garoppolo. So it's going to be interesting to see. But obviously, everybody wants to see what the heck the Cowboys are going to do because they've been hyped up for so long. A lot of expectations that were coming into this season. But, of course, when they haven't won a Super Bowl in 30 years, that's all for not. Right now, both teams have an opportunity to prove themselves at this point, and I think that's probably going to be the matchup that I'm going to pay more attention to as the weekend goes on, obviously, outside of the Steelers. We're talking to Charlie Batch, who started Eastern Michigan, was drafted by the Lions, played two seasons there. Then a decade, including two Super Bowl rings with the Pittsburgh Steelers. You can find Charlie on Twitter, at CharlieBatch16. Also, 2006 Jerome Bettis Award for Humanity and Community Service and the 2012 Wizard White NFL Man of the Year, now named the Allen Page Award. Charlie, I don't know when they're going to change the Jerome Bettis Award to the Charlie Batch Award, but I would vote for it soon. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I, and thank you for all the work you've done in your communities. I want to ask about NIL and how it's affecting college football. Your company tweeted out last week about offering Caleb Williams, if he came to uh, Eastern Michigan, an NIL deal. H- how is this going to change recruiting, and how is this going to affect schools, especially those at, at the mid-major level like the MAC schools? Well, I think, you know, when you're talking about NIL, obviously the dynamics change once, uh, you know, kind of the NCAA opened up the floodgates. And I think a lot of people, you know, whether you choose to turn a blind eye to it or not, you know, quite frankly, things were going on with the university space that were fair or unfair. And I think ultimately now it allows players to really be compensated on the game that they helped build. And I know a lot of people say, oh, it's amateurs, they shouldn't get paid, but it's hard to, to turn a blind eye to it whenever you're watching a game in a matter of last night, and yet these teams, universities are making over $15 million for a bowl game. Coaches are making $10 million a year, but yet the players are getting scraps. And I think this is something that allows players the opportunity to you know, build on their name, image, and likeness, and it gives the opportunity for them to build their brand. And I think Ultimately, the dynamics of this game has changed because players now have the opportunity to monetize. I, I get it. I understand both perspectives. But trust me, there are a lot of people that are at their jobs right now that wouldn't be doing it for free if they didn't get paid to do it. So I think this is something that everybody just has to open up their eyes to. Let's stay on this theme a little bit. The transfer portal now, we've got 1,500 players in there. Are you a fan of this because it allows the players to be able to move in certain situations where they deservedly should? But I feel like sometimes – you have players that say, hey, I'm not going to be the starting quarterback next year. I'm out of here. Uh, how do you see it long-term, and what's your position on it? Yeah, and I understand people, you know, get turned, you know, turn their nose up when they talk about players not staying and, you know, sticking out the resiliency when you're not playing right away and those type of things. But quite frankly, you know, when you look on the flip side, coaches are allowed to leave without penalty, and that's been going on for years. But yet the players had to now, you know, before the, the transfer portal, they now were stuck 
within that university, or if they did transfer, they had to use, lose a year of eligibility. Those things were all unfair, and we know that. And when you look at where a kid is at at 18 years old making a life decision at that point, ultimately, yes, he wants to play for that university, but majority of the time you're playing because that coach recruited you and you built a relationship there because a lot of them were leaving home and going to that particular university, but yet the coaches were leaving, and that's very unfair. And I think when I look at the transfer portal, I love it. And I do so because at 18 years old, yes, we've made a, made a mistake at some point when we, as it relates to a decision, but we shouldn't have to be stuck living in that decision for the next three to four years. Very frustrating for players, and I love the fact that now players get the opportunity to go into a transfer portal for whatever reason. And ultimately, just like the NCAA, they put out in their commercials that, listen, that our players will go be a, a pro in something else other than sports. So if you only have a small window, four to five years, you should be able to now look at that point to be able to transfer and make the decision what's best for you and your family. Great, Charlie, we appreciate the time this morning. Enjoy the playoffs and good luck to your Steelers. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, fellas. Thank you. Thank you. Up next, Coach Jeff Fisher. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game. King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all, but I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. I'm not guarding like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because he didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Odds On with Mike Palm and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Fed River Sportsbooks teams, football same game parlays to a whole other level. Now you can combine same game parlays from different games to give you even more ways to make your perfect combination. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today to explore all the new ways you can create your ideal combo. Must be 21. Gambling problem, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, call 1 800 Gambler, Indiana 1 9 with it, Colorado 1 522 4700, Michigan 1 270 Virginia 1 532 and Iowa call 100 Bets Off. Playable in New Jersey is Play Sugar House, Void Where Prohibited. Welcome back into Odds On. Mike Palm here with Amal Shaw, and it's a pleasure to close the show today with Coach Jeff Fisher. 22 years in the NFL, came within a yard of being in a Super Bowl-winning head coach, won a Super Bowl title as a player with the 85 Bears, and a national championship with John Robinson's USC Trojans in 1978. Coach, thanks for taking the time this morning. My pleasure. Right off, right on the heels of 
probably one of the better weekends of football in a long time. Yeah, well, let's start there with the, that great final game of the season right here in Las Vegas between the Chargers and the Raiders. The scenario where a tie gets both teams in, we've heard a lot of talk in the last 48 hours, critical of Brandon Staley for calling the timeout to set his defense, thinking that maybe that gave the Raiders motivation to go ahead and kick the field goal. Critical of Rich Basaccia for risking a block or a run back of that field goal. If you're the head coach on either team, do you play it differently at all? Yeah, I would have taken a knee after receiving the opening kickoff and kneeled down for about three hours and four minutes and got into the playoffs because you need to get to the playoffs. But no, I mean, you know, it's hard to it's hard to imagine, predict, or estimate what's going through people's mind in those in those in those closing moments because there, you know, there's so much pressure there. But I would say this. Everybody watching, everybody in that stadium, and anybody that knew anything about football knew that all they had to do was tie, and they're both in. And so, you know, we were all watching all those fourth down conversions and the great effort, you know, by the the you know the Charger offense, and and then you get the field goal, and then they get the field goal, and now all of a sudden you're looking at the clock going. I wonder if these guys, they got to know. And then the Raiders started running the football as time was running down in in the midfield in no hurry. Uh, And he thought, okay, the Raiders are going, we're not going to lose this game. All we're going to do is go to the playoffs. And then the timeout happened. And then that shifted everything. Um, So, you know, I don't know. Coach Daly can – explain and 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 i get the defensive side of that where you know hey you're a defensive guy you want you know they're running the football a little bit you don't want them to bust a big run kick a field goal and beat you so maybe i could stop that run a little better with a different personnel group in which he alluded to in his post-game press conference but nonetheless what happened happened and and uh i'll tell you one thing really quickly i had the great opportunity of going to iraq with bill cower uh, Tom Coughlin, John Gruden, and John Harbaugh. And we visited with the soldiers with the USO tour. And I will tell you that every single base we went throughout that country, the, the Pittsburgh Steelers fans, the, the, our military servicemen and women with the Pittsburgh Steelers stuff on, outnumbered everybody 10 to 1. And so my point is, is that Pittsburgh Steelers and Ben get a shot. And so this thing couldn't have ended up any better in my mind, considering what the Raiders have been through this year and, uh, you know, what the Steelers have been through and the respect I have for Ben and, you know, and Mike, uh, Coach Tomlin there and everything. I think it just ended, it couldn't end it any better. Coach Fisher, you had one of the great privileges of serving as the chairman of the competition committee for the NFL for years. What an important and influential role that is. Tell me about the changes that have occurred since you left. And do you think that this expanding of the playoffs and the the changing of the replay rules, the changing of the onside kick rules has helped further the popularity of this game? I believe the game's in in really good shape right now. It certainly has changed. Um, I mean, here we are. I mean, I, I remember my first or second year as a head coach, 
um, coming into into your backyard for a, a kind of a intimate kind of golf event with a couple other head coaches. And we got a call from the league office says you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed to go to Las Vegas. And then, and here we are now having this conversation, but things have come a long way. Um, I, I, you know, there, there are things that happened on the committee, um, you know, since I left that I know exactly why that happened and what they're doing. You can anticipate the problems. One was um, four or five years ago when, you know, they tried to right a wrong and, and make uh, defensive pass interference and offensive pass interference reviewable. And that was going to be a train wreck. I knew it. Everybody knew it. But they did it and they threw it out. Try things for a season, see if it works. I, but to answer your question, I think the game is good. It's re- highly uh, leaning towards the offense and towards scoring and all that stuff. Uh, you know, I think they have uh, the, as long as they continue to emphasize safety and sportsmanship, then the game will be good. Uh, the moment that, you know, you eliminate that. And there, there's a lot of things that I, I think could little things that can be, can, can be made better. But the problem is, is that you have, you know, what we refer to as those unintended consequences of tweaking a rule. And when you tweak a rule, because it sounds good or it corrects an error from the previous year, you're opening uh, a can of worms that you just can't, you can't anticipate. And so now you end up backtracking so on and so forth. But I love the experience. It was an honor to be on it. Paul Tagliabue invited me uh, when he was still commissioner. Uh, Jerry Jones was a member of the committee. You know, Jerry stepped off, Stephen stepped on. Uh, you know, just the, 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 the people that were there, um, just, it was a, it was a great experience and I got tremendous respect for, you know, for the leadership of, of that committee, Rich McKay and, and so on and so forth. And so, I mean, it was a great opportunity for me and learned a lot. I know, know what goes on behind the scenes. I can imagine what, you know, the, this, um, what an effort it was uh, to go to a 17 game schedule and then go to a, a, a you know add an additional playoff team um, a lot of unanswered questions there we we just I think we got a little piece of it here this past weekend um, you know with the tie issue with respect to the last game coach you haven't been on the offensive side of the ball since you were playing for the Toradors at Taft High School down in the valley my question to you is do you think the defense is just put in a difficult spot because I feel like every plan every incompletion we're looking for an illegal contact defense for holding or a PI I, I feel like to a certain extent it is it's almost impossible with the speed and the and the skill of the wide receivers nowadays to be able to cover anybody well, I'll, I'll, I'll clarify one thing um, you know I have a defensive origin um, but over the years, you become, you have to become an expert on offense. So when someone says, oh, this is a defensive-minded head coach, well, yeah, that's because, you know, he, he probably got the job because he was a coordinator. But what did he do? He coordinated defense against offenses. So, you know, when you got to be, uh, and I'm not, I'm partly being facetious when I say that, but, you know, coaches know both sides of the ball really well. As a matter of fact, you know, I, I you know, I, I feel like I did and, and and still do and i've been watching this game from from afar uh for the last five years i see the game changing you see the influence that the college game uh is having on it with uh with respect to the dual threat quarterback and the challenges that 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 are you know defenses are facing 
Um, but uh, to answer your question, yeah, it's a, I mean, it's an offensive. It's, it's a, the, the rule book's leaning towards offense. They, you know, everybody wants to see points. You know, I mean, how did you guys feel last night watching, a, a, you know, a, a three nothing, six nothing, six three, nine six game? It wasn't working. I mean, excellent. You know, point. and so, yeah, so you want to see point. You want to see points scored. Everybody loves those those fifty six, you know, fifty two games that come right down to the end, and uh, people like excitement. I mean, I mean, it's the same thing with with the with the Chargers did on fourth down in that game. That happens once a you know, once a season, those number of conversions. But you know those things are all good for the game. But um, you know there there are some rules that you know obviously favor the offense. I mean, and then there's some rules that that you know the defense has problems with. One that we saw called um, you know somewhere over the weekend where you had an RPO and you and you had an offensive lineman downfield and you had a big play called back. Coach, we really appreciate the time this morning. We'd love to have you back on, talk a little USC Pac-12 football and about why more GMs don't consult with their head coaches before drafting the players that are going to play for them. Thank you so much, Coach Fisher. Appreciate it, guys. Thank Anytime. You. Thank you. Yes. Terrific stuff. I love his point on the competition committee. He's right about the first half of that game. He, he is says, absolutely yeah, right. It's a disaster. Complain about, <laughs> complain about too much offense. <laughs> All right, thanks for joining us today. Good luck on your bets. I'm going to follow him all on college basketball, and I think he's going to follow me over in England on the on, on Absolutely, the, on ready the to go. Game under. All right, stay tuned to Beeson. Up next, it's Betting Across America. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.